0: Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Expanding Beyond. How are you doing, Monica?
1: Oh, good. Oh, um, good. It's a snowy day here in Munich, so that
0: First makes one. my yeah.
1: mood go ballistic. I love snow. I loved it less when I was coming back home with a bike, but, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I also went out uh, for a walk in the afternoon while it was snowing. So
1: I, I was too lazy for that. I took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I took a nap looking at the snow falling from the from the window. So <laughs> I don't think it counts as activity. But <laughs> <laughs> so my mood is very cheerful, very Christmassy, because uh, it is the season, people, and mm. it's my favorite season besides summer. Um, so yeah, all good. What about you?
0: Yeah. Um Everyone's sick these days. Somehow, so <laughs> <And fun. laughs> with two kids, sometimes one kid is at home. Most of the time, both are at home. And after a while, then you said sort of have to start. I don't know, figuring out how they can sort of make up for the time they had left and and do all the homework. And it's just, yeah, it would be nice if they all went to back.
1: Also, not kill each other. I assume.
0: No, that's fine. They oh, are not okay. actually cool. fairly. Most of the time, it's fine with the two of them, surprisingly.
1: Oh, that's, yeah. that's good. That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> something, yeah.
1: Yeah, you can do the homework for them.
0: Yeah. On the other <laughs> hand, they're supposed to learn the stuff to then continue <laughs> doing their next things, right? So
1: Yes. <laughs> it would only relieve the situation for a very short <laughs> mm-hmm. moment. And sometimes, or at least that's what some of my friends tell me, it's things that we don't remember anymore, so we actually make more mistakes than them. So it might not be a good idea anyways.
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah, so this is episode 50, and it's kind of surprising and amazing that we actually made yes. it that far. Um, so we thought we'd uh, do a bit of a, a recap and a bit of a what have we learned and what are our takeaways. Uh, in the beginning here, so I actually dug into this and uh, found so some dates. I'm always prepared. If I'm not prepared, then uh, I, I have a problem. I'm not very uh, spontaneous, I guess. <laughs> so um, we did record a teaser episode. I found that that was in May 2020. And mm-hmm. our first real episode was then in June 2020. So it was like, made it. we started more than two and a half years ago, <coughs> which is kind of long.
1: It's amazing. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. I remember we said something like, okay, let's start and see. Hmm, If it doesn't work, it doesn't work.
0: Yeah. And that sort of leads into my my main, sort of one of my takeaways. Mm -hmm. Also because I had done other podcasts before. I guess we also only made it because it was or is fairly easy for us, right?
1: I mean, for me, it's the easiest. I don't have to do anything. I yeah. just show up and talk, so. <laughs>
0: yeah, and we have a friend of mine who is editing um, the, the audio for a fairly small fee, I would say, and then it's also not much work for me, right? I just, yeah. I, I listened to to it back at 2x speed <laughs> to make the show <laughs> notes, and <laughs> that's it, right? So, I think that's important. Otherwise, we probably would have given up.
1: Yes. I mean, that's a general tip for uh, creating new habits. Make it as easy as possible. Whenever you have something that you don't want to do, just make it easy. Like one of the things I do, for example, is when I I know that I have to go to the gym, but I don't feel like it, I just dress up in gym clothes as soon as I wake up. Like Mm -hmm. instead of dressing for work or anything, just full gear so the barrier is lower like I have an excuse less
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's true all right so and I guess the second thing is I'm still surprised two and a half years in how 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 we actually made it how it even started and actually worked out right so I'm still a bit hazy I think we met once at a meetup I think so but we're both not sure (laughs) and then I just ask, hey do you want to make a podcast with me right so and then it's sort of just worked which is kind of crazy i would say
1: yes it is i i think also because we don't have too high expectations you know like we always found also on twitter where where we talk the most to be fairly easy uh to talk so just a very nice back and forth is um
0: we're not really preparing <laughs> that's, <laughs> no. a fe- that's a feature i guess right yeah low
1: barrier again yeah exactly
0: yeah and we and met
1: actually yeah. once
0: we actually... after
1: we started yeah. recording <laughs> at that's your true. place yeah, yeah. A very nice
0: lunch someday we should do it again but mm-hmm. yeah who knows when <laughs> it's always i mean it's not that far but somehow there again is the barrier right
1: yeah i also don't have i'm not that busy
0: for the next month and a half okay <laughs> <laughs> all right
1: i'm not the one with kids you
0: know yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and then i would say what also kept me going and how it's uh, i think it also helps to discuss all these things with someone outside of your working place to just yes. have i mean part of it is yes we release those episodes but It's also a very uh, good excuse to actually have a meeting in the calendar to talk to the other person. Yes,
1: no, it's absolutely uh, true also for me. It's, you know, one of those advices that people give to managers and the like is to find someone, uh, multiple someones possibly, where you can be your true self and uh, not have to think about the politics at work. About the consequences of what you say and things. Of, I mean, we are recording publicly, so
0: yeah. But we're not recording everything, right? There's yeah. always sometimes a shorter, sometimes a bit longer pre-show where we just exactly. Thought, right? So, <laughs>
1: um, so I just like uh, as you as you said, it's a, it's an excuse uh, to uh, to have someone that I can share things with, and it's uh, I also appreciate the fact that we look at things from similar perspective even if our day-to-day is different um so i mean validation is always nice
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is true yeah and the last point from my side is that it is just super difficult to actually if you make a podcast it's super difficult to know if people are even listening and if they like it or not because in general no one uh, reaches out to you to tell you right it's yes. just that sometimes you uh, you talk to someone and they say hey i've listened to your podcast and it's great which is nice to hear but it's more of a it's very rare that uh, people are actually reaching out
1: one of my colleagues, uh, Torge, we're going to name him also afterwards, uh, told me a week ago or so that he actually likes the pod. He works in marketing, so really different field, mm-hmm. uh, but he's listening to the podcast because he likes, uh, he likes it and he's learning things. So he is, uh, very excited whenever a new episode is out. And That's he said, so pretty, that it's good. Yeah. but yes, absolutely. It's, um, it's very empty, in a way.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the, the only thing we have is basically a number of downloads, yes, right? I and you never know that. what that means, right? It could just be some...
1: Some automatic download and nobody listened to it. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a new startup in the podcasting space that's now downloading everything 10 times, right? So you never know.
1: Personally, I also think it's... Um, for me, it's actually good because one of the things that I do the most is looking for feedback constantly and that i describe it as having as doing a collocation like bats you know <laughs> okay am i doing the right thing here mm-hmm. and i feedback is my main source of information and the fact that there isn't that much feedback here allows me to go with the flow and again we don't hear a lot uh from from you guys so i think it also helps with not having too high expectations um, and not having to perform for the sake of performing.
0: Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way, but it's true, right? Because well, we just do our thing and then yeah. we, we don't have the feedback. We don't need to think about the feedback and we don't need to imagine if there's something we need to change and stuff. So, yeah, yes. maybe it's not bad. That's true. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if we see a drop in downloads, then we know we have done something wrong, though.
0: And then we can make a series of experiments and figure out which thing we we talked about was the problem.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We can do A-B tests.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We'll just take a few months or years to figure it out. All right. So uh, we talked about not having any feedback at all, but uh, today it's actually not true. And we actually have two listener uh, questions, uh, which is like you said, 50% more or 100% more actually than what we previously had. So this is nice.
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, We went, we wanted to, uh, actually, Urban had this idea of doing a a special episode. Uh, So instead of doing the usual back and forth, also because I'm on holiday, so I don't have that much to share yet, uh, we would ask, you guys, if you are interested in some questions, to uh, so that we can we can answer them, and uh, one of you answered to our uh, Google form. We should, we should actually keep it up. I think it yep. helps. Um, and uh, the other one is from Torge, uh, my my friend and colleague. And um, there I pinged him, but because I know that he listens to us, so. <laughs>
0: So, shall we start with yours? Yes. Do you want to read it?
1: Um, so, this is from uh, BM that I am not confident to. Like, I have no idea what <laughs> sounds like a superhero name. Anyways, <laughs> um, the question goes like this um, I remember you uh, were telling sometimes that the management thing was not suitable for you and that you're not interested in it anymore. Kind of what. He remembers. Um, what was the most difficult situation for you when you were leading a team? How was your interaction with the people reporting to you? And how did you take the decision of stepping back and accepting what makes you happier? This is actually three questions You tricked me. Yeah. So what was the most difficult situation for you? Thank you.
0: Yeah. So um, I wasn't just leading a team. I was leading teams. Whoa. I was leading two teams or a in the end, well, actually three teams, I guess, and hiring more developers. So it was like in the end, fifteen people. And I guess the main thing that I noticed is that it was really hard for me to know how people. So that that on the one hand, there's what people say, and if you're a good manager, I guess you can also intuit a bit how people are mm-hmm. actually doing, and that's just something I wasn't able to do. So that was always my my peer manager of of other teams who then said hey do you maybe in the next one-on-one talk to this person i think he or she is not super happy so this i guess made my job harder mm. um because i just had to, to I, I was never entirely sure if i i if, if everything was fine if or if i just <laughs> missed something again and i don't know if it was that or just the open-ended nature of the job mm. i could never really turn it off so I went home, sort of, I, I took the job home with me and there were nights I did lie awake and thinking about, hey, what can I do to, there's this problem and what can we try to make it all better? That was sort of, for me, the big difference just being a developer on the team, because then you, it's someone else's responsibility and you go home and come back the next day. Yeah. Or basically you are in charge. And that essentially isn't, if there's someone above you, then it's maybe one person or something, but it's essentially your responsibility to make it work. Yeah. And that was just very tiring after a while.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that part of the job. Um, (laughs) I think it's, um, at least in my experience, it's one of the most difficult things to let go if you care about what you do and if you care about the people around you if you care about your performance also that of your teams then it's uh it's difficult to completely leave it out of the door as an IC is much easier frankly that that part yeah exactly
0: how was the interaction yes
1: how was the, the interaction too? why did you think it was so difficult for you to see how they Uh, if they were happy or not
0: i mean one of the the things is of course that is just my slightly autistic nature that just Mm -hmm. doesn't let me see that stuff (laughs) but there i also wasn't in the team day to day Mm. right i was just the sort of there were the teams they did their thing and then i was sort of the uh, director of engineering who had to do that had to do hiring and other stuff and just, I don't know, I was in the dailies and I had my one-on-ones with the people. So, and I guess I also was in the retros and stuff. But yeah, I don't know.
1: You had a bit of a hybrid setup then. Mm.
0: Yes, it was uh, startup days and there mm. was just <laughs> no one else. I, I was sort of doing all the, the stuff that no one else had to, time yeah. to do, right?
1: Yeah, that's a classic. Oh, that's, uh, that's one of the things that, in a way, scares me about moving up the ladder. It's like you get a very good grasp of the situation, the people interactions, how the team is humming when you are there, even remotely, like you can still see it, how people interact in their channels, how they, uh, how they talk to each other in meetings, that kind of stuff. And when you are one level removed It's it's a completely different game.
0: And then it sort of uh, falls more on the team itself. And Mm -hmm. I guess you need to make sure you have more senior people than in a team where someone like, I don't know, a team lead is in there to sort of take up that that role, right? So it might have been that back in the day, also part of the problem is that it was, we did hire a lot of people and a Mm. lot of juniors and uh, the onboarding experience wasn't that great. And then it does, of course, make stuff harder and
1: not that pleasant sometimes yeah absolutely totally understandable
0: yeah and then basically uh, six months in I realized that this is just long-term not going to work for me mm-hmm. because and then I just told my boss hey what can we do about it <laughs> and then it took them I don't know another four or five months to find a replacement mm-hmm. and then I was back just being an icy and happy and complaining about management <laughs> <laughs> With maybe a bit more um, understanding, but less pressure on it, I guess.
1: I mean, I also found myself over time thinking about it. Like sometimes I feel guilty about complaining about senior management. There's always someone more senior than you. Um, But then I'm also like, it's their job. And it's not my responsibility to necessarily fix those things. Uh, My responsibility is that of telling them what's wrong.
0: Um, yeah. So And sometimes that can also be used as a, I don't know, help form the team, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you have a common <laughs> person to complain about or, <laughs> uh, I don't know, management to complain about. Yeah. yeah.
1: But was it a decision that you took on a day? Like you had this revelation uh, or did you go over the decision you made? I don't know, some one of those matrices of pros and cons and uh...
0: i guess some something in between it's just after some months it became clear that this is just not sustainable for me mm. and then I, I have had my wife say basically duh <laughs> <laughs> could have told you so <laughs> but sometimes you just have to see for yourself i guess
1: was it was it hard accepting like, because I'm reading here, like the question ends, like, how did you take the decision of stepping back and accepting what makes you happier? Was it really something that you had to accept?
0: No, not really. I'm, I I'm, I, I guess I'm fairly certain of what I like and what I can and cannot do. And I guess it was an experiment. and sometimes I fail, mm-hmm. I guess. And I just tried it and then now I know for sure and um, that this is not something I want to try again, at least not in, in that setup, just being a people manager, essentially.
1: So you felt like you were only a people manager? Huh?
0: I mean, most of the... I mean, it was really in a startup environment and there was mm. a lot to do. But in the end, if you have 15 reports, yeah, <laughs> what can you do?
1: Uh, th- there's not that much that you can do. Even exactly. with just eight, it's shit ton
0: of time yeah exactly and that's how i started out with seven i think and then it was 15 Mm -hmm. and it's just the the few bits where i could i don't know yes it was nice to be in those decision making meetings with management and give my opinion on technical things that part yeah that's nice but that was only a very small part i would say
1: it's interesting because when it comes to you know like helping people grow and and uh that is actually what makes me happiest. So I don't know if I were if I were not to have that part, I couldn't do it at the level I would like to do it um so far in in, in my last in my last company. So that actually made the work suck more.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like I could take a bunch of decisions, I was in strategic sessions and this and that, but that wasn't that interesting without that part
0: yeah maybe if it had just been less people yeah I, I could see myself in another environment where the setup is different with i don't know there's actually a team lead and he's sort mm-hmm. of the manager but also part of doing some technical work i could see myself maybe doing something like that where it's actually a mix and not too much of each yeah but this was really Overdrive. I guess that's also part of the problem with startups, right? It's yes. just there uh, are so many things to do, and you need to pick what you do, and then stuff doesn't get done. And it's like I think what I remember as the big one that probably hurt a lot was the missing onboarding.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There, that just wasn't. I mean, maybe it would have gone better if I had spent more time on that, but then other things <laughs> you have to deep priorities prioritize something else right so
1: there's always something that is gonna you're gonna drop the ball on yeah the, the, there's literally never ever something that doesn't work that way. I don't know if in companies that are more structured you don't have that I doubt I probably it's a different ratio but you have to pick your battles <laughs>
0: you are already talking answering question two somehow feels <laughs> 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 in a way.
1: I mean prioritization is about a bit of everything that we do is like it's the okay that this one I'm gonna save it for next so
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so maybe maybe I can uh, and then read question number two from Torge Mm -hmm. how do you prioritize marketing needs tracking infrastructure etc high priority priority stuff when there's too much backlog full sprints with very important product things what metrics do you use to determine to switch important product updates etc for marketing requirements
1: and that is a very good question um what i find so target here is a good point he he makes a distinction between product updates and marketing requirements if i were to go you know like without thinking too much i would say that everything is the product in the sense that there was this one time I was talking with the, the with the marketing team in uh, in Freeletics, and um, at some point I was like, "Guys, everything is the product. Like the user doesn't see this or that. Mm-hmm. We are building an experience, and that's the product. The product is not even the 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 app we are building. That is a part of what we sell to the user. What yeah. we promise the user, right? So." Maybe it's naive, but that's how I see it most of the times. So for me, it's all of this is, all of that is was described here. It's still product. Ideally, I would expect from a product manager to be able to make that distinction and not just think about the little feature that they would like to uh, develop or see out there, um, but really think... About everything as an organic uh, product. And that was, that is then what I would say that should drive you when prioritizing things. And it's it's the opportunity cost in the end. So, what can I do with, because the only thing that it's finite, really, really, really finite, that's the time, right? Like, Time is not reproducible <laughs> money. You can burn it or you can create it, but you can get more of it. Time, you can't. Once it's gone, it's gone. So let's assume that as, uh, as economists and mathematicians do, like, let's assume perfect conditions, right? Like, so a market where the users know everything, let's say the buyers know everything. In an ideal world, what, when I know about all the different needs, I should be able to put a price tag on each one of those needs. How, the, how much does it cost? How much does it uh, bring? So the revenues coming from that. Um, or the optionality. Does it allow me to do more things in the future? That is where, for example, tracking infrastructure, I'm thinking about it. It's like it's something that it's not necessarily bringing you an immediate return, but by having a certain kind of infrastructure, you know that for a longer time, you will be able to process more events um, or uh, be able to, I'm thinking about operations infrastructure. If we provide a nice dashboard for the operations team, we don't need to run a script every single time a user needs to, I don't know, change their subscription, right? So I give someone else tools so that they can do things. And with the time that I was supposed to use to do those things, then I can do others that are ideally more valuable.
0: Yeah, I I looked at that question from a a bit of a different angle. Mm -hmm. So if I hear it said like that, then it seems like there's something is missing in communication. That's a very good point. Because, I mean, the same could be said about the developers wanting to do some refactorings or wanting to do some really highly technical work. And they would you could basically replace marketing with a term like that and you could ask the same question. Mm-hmm. And I guess the answer would be the same thing. You need to, you need to bring everything together into one uh, priority, be it this marketing stuff, feature work, some technical stuff. This all needs to be uh, examined together. And I guess everyone needs to explain why they need it and what the, what it will bring you, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially, yeah. what you also said. Then you can have, together have an inf- make an informed decision. And it seems to me most of the time the problem is that you just you just say, "Hey, I need this thing," but then they don't necessarily know why, or maybe they don't ask why, and then it ends up at the bottom of some priority list. <laughs>
1: maybe it's even the wrong thing.
0: Yeah, maybe it is. Sometimes it's uh, You bring a solution instead. You should yeah. ask. Explain your problem, and then. Let the others decide what the best solution would be. Yeah, but to me this was more like that thing.
1: Yeah, it's a very good point. That 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 also reflects what I uh, what I had experienced in the past when we wanted to bring engineering topics to the to the table. Right. One day I was talking with the engineers in my team. I was like, Yeah, we are asking the product manager to come to us with the perfect user story because we want to know. That we are, we are making the right thing. It's like that. He thought about it. That we're not wasting time, basically. Mm-hmm. But then, when it comes to us, we come up with an empty ticket, and that's it. Yeah, I was like, nah, that's not fair. It's not fair towards that person, but it's also not fair towards our users and our company, um, because ultimately, we're here not just for our entertainment, but we're here to serve the company. So that would be the other part uh, that I would add because I said, okay, in an ideal world where I have all the information, right, one of the main drivers for prioritization is that of making sure that what we do aligns with the interests of the company in that moment. So, and speaking of marketing, something comes to mind. So, when we started uh, with this project of uh, going to uh, the German market with this uh, with this medical device and uh, um, uh, for, via public insurances, one of the big milestones in this project was that of having a CRM so that we could, and I'm already interpreting things, having a CRM so that we could engage with the users. And... From day one, when I joined, that was already on the table. It was one of the milestones. And it was supposed to be happening before we went and asked for um, B-Farm approval. But then the time was too short and we wouldn't have been able to do it in any case. Not to, the like we did it once and then we were rejected because that tool wasn't compliant. So we had to remove it and we had to find another one. And that required time. When we finally found another one, I was asked multiple times to include it in our next release and whatnot. And I was like, we're not going to do it because speaking of costs, it costs us time to implement it, even just to investigate how the implementation goes. It's going to take us probably a month Mm -hmm. um, doing a basic implementation It doesn't bring us any revenues right now because we haven't been approved. And once we are approved, it's going to take a month, if not more, for someone to get a prescription and then create their account and then for them to be interesting to us. So we have plenty of time to do that in a non-critical moment. Speaking of opportunity costs... It was more dangerous not to have this huge migration of users from the States to Europe because we were past beyond the time in which we could have done that. We should have done that. And the moment we were starting having new users on the platform, we couldn't use our initial idea of just dumping the database and importing it into the new infrastructure. We would have had to rethink our, our approach there. So all the work we would have done, okay, sunken costs and everything, but it would have been too expensive. So other things were more in danger or more expensive not to be executed at that time, in my eyes.
0: And in general, it's always, and I guess sort of my point is also that this whoever then decides on what to do, what not to do, the priorities. They actually need to be able to defend it, right? Yeah. So like what you said, and for that, you actually need all the information you can get. right?
1: There, I think I might've done something different because I, I could have explained it better. Like there was no digestible roadmap that could help the stakeholders understand why I decided to do certain things. Instead of others, so I could have done a better job probably at explaining the trade-offs I was I was observing. One last thing, because now I'm reading the question, I was like, the question says there's too much backlog or full sprints. That is also not a, the best sign.
0: Um, <laughs> that's true. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's a bunch of theories out there. So, but when you have a backlog that is longer than, frankly, a month, um, that's not a very refined backlog like
0: yeah and even if it's refined you just can't put the stories back in right yeah you need to go through them again because invariably some some things have changed either the amount of work because the team now knows more or it's just the wrong thing uh, in total so it's those stories don't last forever even if you've gone through all the process yeah
1: so that's why having too many things already refined means that you are actually wasting time refining things that you won't work in. And by the time you are going to pick them up, they are not going to be up to date anymore. So we'll, you will need to do it again. So there's that. Second, it means that there's too much work for the team. It's just too much. Um, so it's, uh, it's not a good idea. To I have mean, there's kind of...
0: always too much work. <laughs> yes. Right? It's just no one dared to say no. That's exactly how i see it
1: so if i were to be more explicit about which metrics i would use or what do i use as i said it's a, it's a matter of cost and and revenues ultimately with a sprinkle of what else is important right now uh, what else cannot
0: we do without and the rest is all very hand wavy in a way it's hard to really pin it down i guess
1: yes So, that that is what I would like to learn this year a little bit more. And uh,
0: maybe even next year.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Sorry, next year. That's my head. I'm already 2023. How much can you actually measure, really? And is it even worth it? Because I, I do understand the power of having a number attached to something. But I was having this conversation on on the other day, and um, I noticed that this idea of, you know, like the system optimizes for the metric that you give it. There's no way around it. So I read that some people do use, for example, the Dora metrics to observe how efficient a team is, um, but they don't say it to the team. So that like you really use them as data points and nothing else. And then you act on what you see on the behavior, but without explicitly saying about the metric. Um, And it kind of reminds me of how if you talk to agile people like experts, um, they tell you that story points or any kind of estimation is for the team. That is not a metric that should be exposed uh, upper management. And yet. <laughs> and yet, right? So that's why I'm like, it's a bit like I see the power of it, but it's also a very, very dangerous tool to wield that of, you know, like having numbers.
0: Yeah, because in one context, they mean one thing. In the other context, they are, I don't know, yeah. a deadline.
1: <laughs> yes. I, I, My personal jury is still out there for this.
0: Yeah, in the end, it's just you need to explain wh- why and what you picked, I guess. And then the mm. question is, how much time can you and do you want to spend on that? Right. Yeah. That's always depends really on the company you're in.
1: Yes. One of the things, going back to what you said about communication, one of the things that I think is the most hurtful, and I really mean it, it's probably the most hurtful, is how different the mentality for different teams is and how that mentality, that, that difference is not openly talked about and it's not openly then bridged. I do understand why marketing fixates, for example, a lot on numbers because that's, I mean, it's called performance marketing for a reason, right? Like that's what you try to identify. Is this campaign uh, uh, effective, means that we are bringing down cost per acquisition, means blah, 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 a bunch of things. But there are some, some other areas of the company where you can't really measure that part or, or the outcome of the, um, of the initiative that you took. How, how valuable is research? How valuable is this um, uh, having a 2 weeks uh, sprint for doing some spikes? We know it's valuable because it reduces the uncertainty afterwards. But can you really measure it? So
0: Yeah, it's always the question, how much time do you spend putting numbers on? Because that's also not free, right? It also costs
1: time. So I don't know if it's really, if it's done or if it's possible. But I think that spending some time really in the trenches with someone else that is on another field than yours and asking questions and observing the way they work goes a long way to reduce that barrier between the different teams and increases them, the chances of working together literally instead of working alongside, like next to each other <laughs> and each one with their own goals and, uh, and their own um, needs uh, and therefore then you might end up not having the results you want as a whole as a company i should read more management material <laughs> there's a huge literature out there
0: and that's the other thing of course it's not like we are in a so unique industry that yeah uh, that it is different from anything else right it's just it's something we talked about, I think, uh, last week at work yes. as well. It's just just because we have those fancy things like Agile and Scrum, we just put on we just put names on the good stuff, right? Yeah. Other people in other industries have done that for the good ones have done it for forever, in a way, yes. right? It's just we have made a marketing campaign for it. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I mean, the, probably the biggest difference. Is that what we produce is intangible?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it, it's not something that, for example, wears down over time. Maybe, maybe the um, music, like the entertainment industry, has something like that. Because um, it can produce a film, or you can um, produce a, a song, and or an opera, whatever that is, and that is infinitely reproducible. But other industries are definitely not like that. That's why I think it's so hard for people coming from manufacturing to really get what's happening in in software. Um, because it's inherently different. You uh, can't touch it. Yeah. So maybe there there is a difference, but the <laughs> is always the biggest <laughs> Hurdle our people. (laughs) So, and that is the same everywhere.
0: (laughs) That is true. Yeah. All right. So, two questions. And I guess we're already done (laughs) with our episode. If anyone has any other questions, we would be very happy to hear them. Uh, Either you can reach out to us personally, or we will also put a link in with the Google spreadsheet in there. You can also ask stuff anonymously if you want to, or put in a name or a letter code like mine who, where I know who it is but <laughs> no <laughs> one else does all right so for our Christmas episode where can people then find you Monica
1: so you can find me on Macedon at uh, Nirnaeth ends with th um, or you can find me on my website g.me, and there you can find a bunch of references on where to
0: talk to me and maybe on some Christmas markets.
1: Definitely Christmas markets. Also Advent of Code. And for those of you that might be interesting to participate to my private leaderboard, let me know. I'll send you the link.
0: And you can actually also find me in Mastodon yes. by now. As UJH. Same as Twitter, where I post about our episodes and that's about it. <laughs> um, and I guess that's it for me. Otherwise, you have to listen to me on the podcast. And if you want to send an email, you can also reach us via hosts at expandingbeyond.it. Yes, you can. Did anyone ever do that apart from some Chinese marketing? Uh, There was one
1: question long ago. (laughs) So one of the very first episodes. So please keep it coming.
0: All right. So thank you and have a nice day. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye.